0: Welcome to the Aniak Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Aniak Austin, please check our website at aniakatx.com. Since I don't know some of you, I figured I'd tell you a little bit about myself. See, I'm a trier. I like to try things out. I like to to give things a go. See. The only problem with that is that sometimes I can go a little too hard and a little too fast. Here's a couple of examples of, of ways in, in which I've I've done this before. You know, a few years ago I, I decided that I wanted to do something. It came after a a moment of inspiration after my wife, Christy, and I, we've been married for almost 15 years. We were watching a movie called The River Runs Through It, and I haven't seen that movie since then, so it's been 15 years, so I'm not recommending it because you don't recommend movies that you haven't seen in 15 years. But what I came out of it was with this inspiration that I must be a fly fisherman. I don't know what else the movie was about, but I decided I needed to be a fly fisherman. So I did what any logical person would do. I completely obsessed over it. And I went out and bought two of everything. And I decided I must learn how to do this. It didn't. Now that stuff sits in my garage. Again, a few years later, strictly for health reasons, I wanted to get a new form of exercise. I joined a rock climbing gym. And I didn't actually climb real rocks, just the synthetic kind with the soft mesh padding underneath so if you fall, you don't actually get hurt. And I I bought in. I went after this deal. I went a couple times a week for my year-long membership, and I mean, I did it all. I bought the stretchy clothing so that I could be more fluid in my movement. I bought the shoes that were too small for your feet so that you could grip better. I have two chalk bags still at home, I have harnesses for rock climbing that I don't use because I go hard and fast when I try something. My more, my most recent thing that I've been trying is learning to shoot a bow and arrow. And now I've matured, and so I haven't bought anything, but I've been given two bows, <laughs> and they're just sitting in the garage. I haven't shot them for a couple months. For a while, I was shooting every day. Because I like to try things out. I like to give things a real go. And see, here's, here's what happens. When we decide we want to give things a go, we open the door to it. And when you open the door to something, all of a sudden, things start coming in. You start to, to gravitate towards Different things. See, we do this in in all sorts of ways. And one way in which we do it is we do it with our hearts. We open our hearts to something. And all of a sudden we start longing for it. See, because your heart is the doorway to your desires. Your heart is the doorway to your desires. When you open your heart to something all of a sudden you start longing and desiring for that thing. This can be a beautiful thing, or it can be a dangerous thing. It can be something where we open our heart to God, and all of a sudden we long for Him. We desire Him. But when we open our heart to the wrong thing, what can happen is we can find ourselves, not with a pile of old sporting equipment in the garage, but with a broken heart. Laying on the ground, and we find ourselves jaded and confused because we opened our hearts to the wrong thing. See, there's a passage in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, and it says this it's re- incredibly powerful. It says, Guard your heart because it's the place from which your life source flows. Guard your heart. Because it's the place from which your life source flows. See, your heart, it's that doorway to desire. And it's the way we're wired. We're actually wired up this way. Jesus put it this way. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If you give your heart to something, you find yourself desiring, treasuring Longing for that thing. And so we're, we're diving into this new series of talks. It's called First Comes Love. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about dating, marriage, and sex. And what, how do we go about those things? How do we go about dating today and guarding our heart like Proverbs 4 says? Now, there might be just a couple of you in here that are thinking, praise the Lord, Someone's going to tell me how to get a date. And the reality is, I ain't going to do that. I've been married for 15 years, and I, and I don't know how I got her. So I'm not going to be much help. I tried to flirt with her, and she thought I was being a jerk when I first met her. So I wasn't very good. It was the grace of God on my life. He knew how much I needed her. But I'm going to talk to you today about the why. Why? See, because if you can grab hold of a why in your life, why you do something, not just how you do something, the why will sustain you. But if you don't grab hold of the why, you will jump from how to how to how to how to how until you find the most likely clever solution. You won't actually be rooted in anything. You'll try anything. So we need to know the why when it comes to dating and actually what that means and what it looks for our life before we understand the how. See, because when you go from how, you end up with all sorts of different solutions. Our culture is like this today. See, what our culture would tell you to do is to follow your heart. But Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things. So do you really want to follow something that is so easily deceived? Follow your heart and get tricked and blundered. No, we don't want to do that. We don't want to follow our hearts. We want to guard our hearts. We want to protect it. See, our hearts, see, they, they see something shiny, and they just go for it. Great example. I'm, uh, I'm in the process of selling my truck right now. See, because I drive a lot. And it gets 16 miles to the gallon. And that's just not working out for me. So I am in the process of selling my truck. And I'm going to get something more fuel efficient like a Prius. But we all know that Priuses are super ugly. So I've been going out looking for something that's fuel efficient. But it's, it's prettier. It's nicer. It's better looking. And the more I look at those things, the more I'm like, you know, I could probably stretch the budget a little bit. I could probably get a little something, and it still needs to be fuel efficient, but I mean, I don't want to drive an ugly Prius. I don't want to be, I already got long hair and a mustache. If I have a a Prius, I'm like super Austin now. I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy. So, I mean, you know, I got to get something different. And the more I open my heart to that idea, the more I want it. Because that's what our hearts do. Our hearts go to things like that. So I want to talk today about three reasons why we guard our hearts. Let's read that Proverbs 4 passage again real quick. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because it is the place from which your life source flows. Three reasons why you guard your heart. If you take notes, this is the moment that you do it. Because everybody knows that preachers notice who take notes, and we pray for them more. (laughs) So three reasons. First reason, you guard your heart, is because you have extreme value. You are extremely valuable. When our hearts are guarded and positioned towards God, what happens is the doorway to our destiny is actually opened. That's value. When our hearts are guarded and positioned towards God, we are set up to walk in the destiny and purposes that God has for your life. That's worth guarding. You are worth guarding. You're worth guarding today. You're worth guarding tomorrow. You're worth guarding so that the future and the purposes of God for your life can become the reality that you live in. You are worth guarding and protecting You are worth saving. You are worth looking after. We guard, we protect the things that we think have value. We will do anything to keep them safe, anything to keep them protected. Recently in the tragic fire that that took place in Paris at Notre Dame, there was a beautiful story that came out about one of the priests, Jean-Marc Fournet. I'm not French, so that didn't sound right. But he did something incredible. He showed up on the scene. And when people were trying to keep him out, he refused to be kept out. Because he said, there's things in there that need to be protected. And he ran in and out, started this this convoy line to get things out, to get the most valuable pieces from the church out, the relics that were priceless to them. One of which they think is the crown of thorns that Jesus actually wore. Many people think that. He risked his life to guard, protect, to save what he believed had value. Do we treat our hearts the same way? See, God did. God treated you just like that. See, what happened is God thought you were so important, so valuable, so wonderful. That he said, I'm gonna run in to that blazing fire and I'm gonna save him. He sent his son Jesus, his only son Jesus, to be your protector, to be your rescuer. He sent him in, and Jesus did the unthinkable. He took our sin, our guilt, our shame, all of it on the cross, and he died on our behalf. The cross is a beautiful picture of the sacrifice of Jesus, but it's not just that. It is a picture of your worth. When you look at the cross, you should think, that's how much I'm worth to God. That's how valuable I am. That He would send His best for me. He would send Him for me. Romans chapter 5, verse 7. It says, Very rarely... Will anyone die for a righteous person? Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how valuable you are to God. At your absolute worst, God said, You're worth my best. At your absolute worst, when you feel like you were worth nothing, when, when there was so much blocking you from actually having a restored relationship with God, God said, you know what? I would give my very best to have that one. I would give my very best to have you. And he did. He gave his very best. Can I take a moment just to speak to the, the women in the room? That you are worth a guy's very best pursuit. You are worth the very best of his attention. You are worth him valuing you. And you are worth him treating you with respect. You are absolutely worth his very best that he has to give and nothing less. That is what you're worth. And don't settle for less. And any guy that expects you to settle for less doesn't deserve you. Kick him to the curb. Get out of here. This has never become more real to me now that I have a daughter. We adopted Chanel a couple years ago. It'll be two years on Wednesday. And, you know, almost every night... Definitely every night that I've been home, I don't know where it came from. I just say it came from the Holy Spirit, just inspired me to do this. But we sing this song together. And my wife the other day said, I want to record you singing this with her. And I said, nope. And she's like, no, I want to record it and I want to play it for people. Because I, I, I believe that girls need to hear it. Because... There's, there's a lot of girls that have never heard anyone say this about them. And as she said that, I was like, yeah, you're right. This is not just a song between me and her. This is a song that, that people, that, that girls need to hear. You know, some of the, the mantras that I repeat to myself that, that help guide me and steer me, just help set culture in my family, I didn't create. There were things that were given to me. I tell my boys all the time that, that men of God reject passivity, accept responsibility, and live courageously. I didn't create that. A friend of mine told it to me. I don't know if he made it up, but I grabbed it and took it as mine. And so this morning, I want to play the song that we sing for you. And we're going to put the lyrics on the string. It's really complicated because it's me and a five-year-old singing it. So, but here's the deal. I want you to hear it not as just me singing it to her. But ladies, I want you to hear it as though God's singing it over you. And let it cement the value you have in him. Okay, guys, would you play that clip? Four. One, two, three, four. You are smart. You are beautiful. You are kind. do one more silly. We do it silly too. Let me hear this again. You are smart, you are beautiful, you are kind, you are wise, and you are worthy of love. That's how valuable you are. Guard your heart because that's what you're worth. You're worth it. You're worth it. Guys, you were made in the image of God. When he thinks about you, when he designed you, when I think about this, he made me, Christopher Liotts, in his likeness, in his image. That's how he made me. You know what that fills me with? A ton of confidence. I'm made in the image of God. I'm made like him. I now feel confident to go face what God has put in front of me, anything. I feel confident to do it when I remember that. When I remember that's the value I have. That's who I am. I was created in God's very image. But when I lose sight of that, because the devil, here's the deal. The devil wants you to not be confident, men. He wants you to not be confident. Because if he can steal your confidence, what, will, what you'll become is selfish and insecure. What, when we are not confident, all we do is think about ourselves. We're worried about us. What are people thinking about? What do they think? Do they they like the way I'm standing? Do they like the way I'm looking? What if I wore my hair down today? Did I like that? Normally I wear it up in a bun. Oh my gosh, what do they think? What do they think? What do they think? We start to do that and we don't even notice anybody else. And when it comes to dating, you show up in a relationship and all you're thinking about is yourself and what you can get out of this rather than looking for how can you honor, how can you serve, how can you respect, how can you bless But when you're confident in who you are, it's not hard to care. Because you're not worried about me. I know who I am, I know the value I have. So I'm free to give my very best to you. Because I'm not worried about me needing to get affirmed by you. Because I already know who I am. Guys, you were made in the image of God, you were made in his image. Let that fill you with confidence right now. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let it fill you with confidence. You were made in the image of God. Reason number two. Reason number two that we guard after our hearts. Because it's the source of everything that we do. Your life ambitions, your relational health, your motivations, all flow from this thing. Being full of life, being full of health, being able to to produce good things. See, because here's the deal. When the source is sick, so are you. You know, I told you earlier I got into fly fishing once, and this was about 15 years ago when Christy and I had first gotten married, maybe 14. We went on our our one-year anniversary, and we took a trip to Keystone, Colorado, and I decided, perfect time for me to teach myself how to use all this fly fishing gear that I bought. And so I brought it with me, and early one morning, I load it all up. I drive up the mountain. I found this quaint, beautiful looking mountain stream. And I unpack all the gear and I just get out there and I start going after it. And I'm teaching myself how to do this. I'm pretty sure that I'm nailing it. And I am going to catch a fish. I'm going to take it home and I'm going to cook dinner. This is what's going to happen. Well, one hour turned into two, two hours turned into to three, and there were no fish. I hadn't caught anything. The truck pulls up on the side of the road. Guy gets out and hollers out, had any luck yet? Sadly, like, no, no, no luck yet. He gets back in his truck, pulls about 20 feet down the road, gets back out, felt sorry for me, said, Just want you to know, about a mile up the road, there's a coal plant, feeds into this river. Probably not going to catch anything because there's no fish. (laughs) It's like, cool. Thanks. (laughs) See, when the source is sick, there's no life. Now, a couple days later, I I tried another river. Still didn't catch anything. (laughs) But there were fish everywhere. They were jumping. They were going after the real flies, not my poor attempt. But when the source was free of toxins, things could flourish. Our hearts are the very same way. We guard our hearts because we know that when it's protected, what can flow out of my life, is life. But when my heart gets sick, what flows out of it is sickness. You know, I think a great example of this, I was having a conversation this morning and it was talking, you know, we were talking about Kentucky and, you know, how some of the old Rivalries among families, how they date back, the Hatfields and McCoys. And you start to wonder, how on earth did generation after generation after generation have, revi- have, have rivalry against one another? Sometimes they don't even know each other, but they hate each other. Because the source is sick. And when the source is sick, what it produces is sickness. Sickness. And those who drink it end up getting sick. Guys, we guard after our hearts because what we produce when we don't guard it is not helpful for people. In your relationship with others, if you're dating and you're not guarding your heart, what you're going to give somebody is not actually healthy. You're going to be giving sickness away. And that's not what we long for. We want to we give life into people. And so we say guard our hearts. Protect it. So that what we pour into people, whether we're dating them, whether they're friends, however we're in relationship with them, what we're giving them is life. Reason number three, that we guard our hearts. We guard our hearts because we're in a battle and our hearts are constantly under attack. And if you don't guard it, what it'll end up with is broken and shattered, arrows shot into it, wounded, hurting. But we forget that we're in a battle. We forget that this battle is waging all around us. Ephesians chapter 6 says the Bible, the Bible says that the battle we fight is not against people. Let's be clear. It's not against people. It's against spiritual forces. 2 Corinthians 10 goes on to tell us that the way we fight this battle is not the way that the world fights battles. So we have to understand that we've got to take a counterintuitive approach here to how we fight the battle to guard and keep our hearts safe. See, the, sometimes the fight is subtle. It doesn't always feel like it's in your face. It's like you're standing on a big rock, and sometimes the battle is just chipping away at that big rock. And if you're not aware of the chip, 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 you find yourself, instead of standing on a big rock, standing on a pile of rubble. And you realize, how did I get here? See, because there's a battle going on. And when the battle goes on and we don't notice it, we start to sway. We, I mean, we start to stray away. We start to drift off. I think probably the most effective way that you can stay aware and rooted in the battle is to be biblically rooted. Which means to take time every day to read the Bible and ask the questions, how does this apply to my life today? Because when we do that, what happens is the Bible sets our, sets our foundation for truth. If we don't do that, we open ourselves up to allowing other sources to be the foundation of truth in our life. We let other things say that this is what is true. You know, this has been taking place in our society for many years, and what has begun to to rise up in our nation is actually a new form of thinking called humanism, where truth is relative to you rather than there being actual truth. See, when that takes place, whatever I feel, whatever in the moment is right for me is right for me, whether it's good or not. See, this gives just freedom, really what it's done is it's amplified the cavalier sexuality in our culture. I want to read you a couple of statistics, and they're a little shocking. At least they were to me. And I don't read them for shock value. I I hope that you hear these and saying, God, we've got to guard our hearts. Because if we don't, this increases. And what we want to see is a move of God take place where these things decrease and hearts are made whole and restored Because each of these stats represent people who've been broken and jaded along the way. And God's heart is that they would be restored and redeemed. But let's hear what's going on, because if we're not aware of what's going on, we will pretend like nothing's happening. Recent polling numbers say that 66% of people have had at least one one one-night stand. 35% say they had sex with someone before they went on their first date. When I first read that, I was confused on how that even happens. But it's because 58% of people have at least one friends with benefits. That means it's someone they have sex with that they're just a casual friend with. And you think, maybe that's just the, the world. I mean, we're Christians. Surely it's not like that. But no, a, another study by Christian Mingle surveyed their members. This is an online dating website for Christians. And it was 60% of self-identifying Christians, say that they are completely okay with casual sex and no strings attached. There's no such thing as no strings attached. When you give yourself sexually and emotionally to somebody, strings are attached. There is no such thing as no strings attached. When you do it, you have given your heart to someone. You have said, I'm opening up the door. You can have it. It is unguarded. It is yours. Whatever you want to do with it now do with it. That's why we guard our heart because we're in a battle. We're in a fight. And this thing is the source of life. And if we give away our life, we don't have anything to give. So we guard after our heart. We protect it. We care for it because the purposes of God for your life are good and they're worth it. They are worth you fighting to protect your heart. So how do we do this? I want to give just a couple quick examples for how you can actually guard your heart. For all the single people in the room, how do you guard your heart when you're single? You do it by not settling for less. And I'm not just talking about a guy or a girl here. Because you can give your heart to more thing, to more than just a person. You can give your heart to more. We give it to careers. We give it to money. We give it to recognition. We give our hearts away to different things. And what I want to tell you is don't settle for the lesser thing. Don't settle for saying, you know, I'm going to give my heart away to my career. And I'm going to let this be the thing that I get my identity from. I'm, I'm going to give my heart away to money and having more. And I'm going I'm to let that be my identity. The more I have, the better, stu- the better stuff I have, the, then the more valuable I am. Don't Don't give your heart away to just saying, I'll do anything to find someone. And all of a sudden, you find yourself settling for someone who doesn't value you, who doesn't treat you with respect, who doesn't even... Have the same value system as you, and you start going. We we don't even agree on religion. You know, I, I read another s- stat this week that said <coughs> people are more likely to disagree on religion than they are on politics and marriage. That's called settling. That's called settling for less, because God's desire is that you would be knit together but when we settle for less we give our heart away in that way we we take less than what God actually intended his best for us we stop believing that there's actually a hope for a future there's actually a a fulfillment to the promise that we've been believing for and we start to settle and I want to say today don't settle instead let God restore and let's let hope be released in a fresh way this morning receive that. And if you say, hey, I long to be married. I long to meet somebody. I want you to know we're with you. We're praying for it. We want to believe God with you. We want to know. We want to stand with you, because we don't want you to be alone in that battle. We want you to know that somebody's got your back, believing for the promises of God with you. We're with you, but don't settle in the process. Don't, Don't leave your heart wide open to whatever For those who are dating, one way that you can practically guard your heart in this, and it's grow, and as you grow in trusting the person you're dating, don't overtrust yourself in situations. Grow in trust with the person, but don't overtrust yourself in situations. I've seen this happen time and time again. People start dating. They're three weeks in. They go sit at a coffee shop till two in the morning. They tell each other things that they've never told anyone. And all of a sudden, their hearts are wide open. You start telling somebody your dreams, maybe something that happened in your past that you've never mentioned. And you've only known them two weeks all of a sudden there's an emotional connection there it's the way we're wired and when an emotional connection gets made, all of a sudden we find ourselves sitting on the couch sharing our deepest moments, next thing we know we're in bed because we overtrusted ourselves in the situation if you're dating you're saying, hey I want to grow in trust with this person, awesome keep doing it but understand that there are going to be situations where you shouldn't trust yourself very far just don't trust yourself too much because honestly the heart's deceitful and it's going to feel something it's going to see something and it's going to want to start going somewhere that's right and just say you know what no my heart is worth it my life is worth it the purposes of God are worth it you are worth it I want to guard my heart as we wrap up this morning I know you might be sitting in here and you might be saying, this would have been great five years ago. This would have been great 20 years ago. But my heart's already broken. My heart's already jaded. I already gave it away. It's been unguarded for years. And I say, no, God's doing something this morning. Ezekiel 36, I want you to hear this. This is what God's doing this morning. I want you to just receive this as exactly what God is doing because we've all had a broken heart at some point. We've all left it unguarded to something and something's broken it. And here's what God is saying this morning. Ezekiel 36, it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart Put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. And be careful to keep my laws. Would you go ahead and stand up to your feet this morning?